Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, July 9th, 2023, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Now Mind You podcast. I'm TJ. I'm Matt. I'm Bryce. And welcome to episode 73, Combat. There will be some spoilers up ahead. First things first, big shout out to our boy Matt, who just had <laughs> his third pro fight, and he got that unanimous decision win. Fucking thank killed you, it. Thank you. Anytime you can go out to a live boxing event and you got one of your homies fighting, go support them because that shit is insane. Uh, and Bryce is back. Yeah. Bryce is back. So it's the three of us in full effect. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be covering UFC 290, Volskanovsky versus Rodriguez. This has transpired last night as of this round. Uh, as of this recording. recording. Um, and I want to say what what uh venue did it take place on? Was it the T-Mobile Arena? Felt like T-Mobile uh, Arena Energy. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but either way, the venue was insane. Uh, on the card we had Nickel versus Woodburn at middleweight. We had Turner versus Hooker at lightweight. We had uh Whitaker versus Duplessis at middleweight. We had Moreno versus Pantoja for the flyweight title, and it was also the co-main event. The main event. Thank you. Main event, we had Volkanovski versus Rodriguez for the featherweight title. Uh, other things to note, Ra- uh, Robbie Lawler uh, was the main event for the prelims. And man, what a fucking fairy tale finish to a storied career, bro. Mm-hmm. Took out Nico Price in 38 seconds. That, that was a wrap. Like, you couldn't ask for a better way to go out on your own terms. Uh, anything y'all want to add on that before we go into it? A Rob uh, was I, sacrificed. I, Damn, man. <laughs> this was this was an up and down but, night for Robs. So I'm gonna say that. The rule of two. Yeah. <laughs> like, rule of two, man. Equivalent damn. exchange. Damn, bro. <laughs> Equivalent damn. exchange took place in the world of Robs last night. Oh, oh, all right. With that, Bryce, you want to take us into Nickel versus Woodburn? Sure, sure. Let me just segue for what TJ said earlier. Um, Robbie Lawler's uh KO knockout. Okay, you know, there's one thing about UFC. KOs are infectious. Uh, you start seeing one, you start seeing many. <laughs> and uh <laughs> we we Man, got one segue. very quickly in the uh in the first opening fight of UFC 290, which was Bo Nickel versus uh Valentin Woodburn. Um, of course, Bo Nickel kind of has the Dana White privilege, he has the machine behind him. This Everyone's booting him up to be the next big thing. Uh, and, you know, he's he's proving it slowly but surely, having the two wins on the Contender Series. But he did have a kind of a contra- – I don't want to say controversial. I think there was a little bit of controversy when he had the fight with Jamie Pickett. I mean, I the groin shot, bro. No, it was the kick to the, the groin, groin that shot. was never accounted for. Yeah, it was that groin shot. Um, And then we also have uh, Valentin Woodburn. Uh, apparently, that was his debut. Uh, his last fight was in, what, combat something? Mm-hmm. He um, got the call last minute. Yeah, last minute, and uh, I believe Matt, you said that he uh, he was just in there dolo. Yeah, he so. came. He came without it. Well, didn't he? Wasn't able to get there with his corner. You know, what I mean, he got the fight basically on like what, like a week's notice or so, because because uh, what, Shashan Gore was out with an injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so going into the fight, thirty set, thirty eight seconds in. Oh, gets the knockout. Uh, very clean. Um, it looks like what was happening. It was kind of like a, you know, just them trying to read each other. 
Uh, Bo just kind of keeping his distance, but coming in, what I want to say was a, a, a rear hook. Um, but then just start, he got him with a, a front hook that really stunned him. And then Bo put in a, the finishing touches. Um, it was, it was a very clean win. Uh, Bo Nickel show what he needs to show. And, uh, the, the nickel train is going to keep going. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not much else to say to that, but I'll, uh, I'll pass it on to Matt. Oh, they said it ain't nothing else to say. Bo Nickel was like, man, they was like, man, you know, he's going to have to wrestle this guy. And then he just pops his ass with that overhand hook. That was it. Mm. Like the guy went right down. Like the referee definitely did his job and got in there because Bo Nickel just went right down after him, which obviously, you know, that's what he's supposed to do. But shit. Yeah. Grand open and grand closing. TJ. Uh, Mink, Mink. And I believe Mink. Um, The other thing I'll say is. You know Bo Nickel has the machine behind him because both of his appearances since coming off the Contender Series and being in the UFC have been pay-per-views. This mm. is the second appearance, and it's also a pay-per-view. So just putting that out there. He, they definitely want him to do well. Um, Yeah, that's all I got to say. Take well, us into the next one, Matt. All right. We had Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker. Now, we haven't seen Dan Hooker in a little minute, um, but we have been seeing a lot of Jalen uh, Jalen Turner uh, as of late. It's pretty much been, uh, I would say, kind of on a tear in the division, uh, the mm-hmm. tarantula. Uh, he's once brought a tarantula with him to the weigh-ins. Um, at any rate, he was coming <laughs> off a split decision loss. Yeah. I mean, I saw him do it. I thought that shit was crazy. That's when he was like a... Uh, I won't necessarily say a rookie, but like it was when he was like still early in his career, like when he was getting on prelims and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we had Jalen Turner, um, who had not too long ago made his return back to lightweight. Um, and we can pretty much can say the same thing for Dan Hooker, right? Uh Dan Hooker's had been a mixed bag of success, but he was coming off of a TKO victory uh in November of last year, and Jalen Turner was looking to pick up a victory after picking up a loss back in March and a split decision loss, a pretty close fight. Uh, that was on the uh, UFC 285, the Jones gone card. Yeah. So we haven't seen Dan Hooker for a little bit. Dan Hooker comes back with blonde hair, leg tattoos, and a big back piece. Yeah. Like, it's like, you, you, who you is mean. this guy? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> for real. And But you know what? It, he only meant that in terms of look because – this was a brawl, man. The The first round, Jalen Turner was very technical. He was able to kind of really manage his distance, and it seemed like there was a little bit of miscommunication between Dan Hooker and his corner, uh, just in terms of his movement um, and things like that as far as the first round was concerned. And I gave the first round to Jalen Turner, and I was really giving a lot of that second round to Jalen Turner as well, uh, especially after he landed that head kick. This head kick sounded like somebody clapped their hands together. And oh, then, like, my even, God, dude. Even when you they showed it in slow motion, it was like he got all of it. Dan didn't even go down. He just wobbled and was like, oh, shit, I don't, that I sucks. don't think he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this dude. And, he, you know, obviously he tries to uh, press the issue on Dan Hooker. And Dan Hooker decides. <sighs> Dan Hooker decides, oh, sorry, guy, my toughness is actually a 99. And 
<laughs> just it, it starts to immediately like like a like a fucking cornered animal just pick up the pace and he starts landing like shot after shot on Jalen. Yeah. And eventually uh pretty much turns the whole fight around. Now he turns this fight around basically in the last, I would say, minute and a half of the second round. And this was after he had been getting dominated by Jalen, but he just landed a right hand that seemed to have hurt him more than I would say it looked like it hurt him. And Dan just jumped on him. The body language was definitely like, yeah. Yeah, the body language was there. And Jalen, you know, Jalen did what he could to survive. And uh, that was pretty much the story of most of the third round until Jalen then turned it around and started like coming out with combinations here and there and was able to kind of slow some of Dan Hooker's pressure down. But ultimately, you know, I thought Jalen was going to get stopped in that second round because Dan Hooker literally beat him to the ground. Well, there was quite literally a buzzer beater rear naked choke. Yeah, that rear naked choke where he cranked it back. He fell all the way backwards, like literally on the the one second mark, which also still kind of shows you the type of guy Dan Hooker is that no matter how much time was left, like he was still going to go for it. Right. Um, And I thought that that was really cool. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, that was like. He and he finished the fight on top. Yeah. Uh he finished the fight in the third round on top. You know, it was just there was a lot going on, man. Uh and I think in a lot of ways he just over he was able to overwhelm Jalen. And Dan Hooker was able to walk away with it uh with the split decision victory. And it was even crazier because we find out afterwards, uh Dan Hooker broke his arm in this fight. And there's Right. According to him, it was just a scratch. And there's no at no point in the fight did he fight as if he was hurt. Like at no point did he at all fight as if he was hurt. He just kept on going like I know he's feeling it today. (laughs) I'm sure he is. That adrenaline has definitely worn off. But uh, yeah, man, shout out to Dan Hooker. That was a, a crazy fight. It was a crazy way to see him keep moving up uh, through the division and continue to be a factor. You know what I'm saying? Uh, continue to be a guy with a name. Uh, you guys got anything you want to add? I have nothing to add. Got nothing. You want to take us into Robert Whitaker and DDP? Let's... <laughs> That's way cooler than he deserves, but yeah. Let's you go into... You. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Uh, let's let's go into it. So we had Bobby Knuckles versus uh Drickus Still Knox Duplessis. Uh, hey, I mean, I'm gonna just I'm uh, to to quote my my illustrious colleagues. I'm gonna keep it a bean. I was rooting for Bobby Knuckles. I was mm-hmm. rooting for the Reaper. Um. Drickus Duplessis, a white South African, calling the African champs of the UFC at the time. It was, I believe, uh, Israel, who's still the champ, right? But then you also had Kamaru, and then you had Francis, and not calling them real Africans. That rubbed me the wrong way. And there, there's, there, there's some tension about white South Africans. I'll, I'll just keep it at that. I'm not going to dive too far into it because it'll just cause me to digress uh unfortunately for me and i guess thankfully i did not put money on this fight but uh, uh duplessis got the tko victory um the long and short of it so it honestly 
I guess if you look at the very first round, it could have honestly been a telltale sign of what was to come. Because here's the thing. That very first half of round one, it was Whitaker all day. He was taking control of the pace from the opening bell, but he even got a nice double leg going. But then when he tried to get into the grappling exchanges with Duplessis, that's when things started kind of going wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after about three minutes, it looked like Duplessis' download phase was over and he started getting a good sense of rhythm and he started noticing him like catching Whitaker. And then during the grappling exchanges, he almost got Whitaker in a darts choke a few times. Um, if you don't know what I mean by darts choke, just think of a guillotine mixed with a rear naked choke, uh, where it's like you're trying to essentially choke the person with your arm from like a cross side control position or a top position, if you will. But think like a, a side guillotine, if that helps you all understand, right? Um, but yeah, like like I was surprised at the the grappling prowess that Duplessis showed because he easily got past Whitaker's guard and like he was using the dart setup that Whitaker honestly defended pretty well. But what was Duplessis doing? He was dropping elbows every time, so he cut Whitaker pretty early on above the eyebrow. Round two, I really liked how Whitaker's jab was looking because his jab is a tone setter and it's really fucking fast. It's really fucking fast, but man, like I don't. It to me. Based on the initial camera angle, it's like Duplessis threw a cross. A, well, it was actually a right jab because I believe he was in the southpaw stance. He threw a right jab that, to me, from the camera angle, looked like he missed Whitaker's head completely. And all of a sudden, Whitaker just drops. I was like, did he slip on something? And then they showed the other angle. It caught Whitaker on like the right side of his jaw and dropped him. That was the beginning of the end. Uh, and then it just went from that to much, much worse. Like once Duplessis saw blood in the water, he just started swinging. And with each swing, he threw the entire apartment, not the kitchen, not the kitchen sink, the entire apartment at this dude. And that was a wrap. Put Bobby Knuckles away. Did not like to see it. Did not like to see it at all. Um, but what this ends up meaning is we do have the setup for uh, Duplessis versus Adesanya, because guess who stepped into the ring real quick and had a full uncut Booker T moment without the apology um, mm-hmm. in in the octagon. I was like, damn, okay. All right, are we doing this? We're going full gangster, huh? Uh, <laughs> and Matt pointed out, I got to give a shout out to Miss Brittany too for saying like, hey, for someone to wish for you to get to yeah. the spot where your ass so they can beat your ass is crazy so why way to think count how many times he said nigga like i was really bro yeah. it was like he's like yeah what's up nigga you my brother yeah, right dude. now it's all good nigga. Yeah, and nigga. here's the, here's the thing he started the convo hella chill it's like no it's all right we're chill with you and they was like yeah nigga what's up what's up nigga yeah you my brother right yeah i was like damn yeah, <laughs> like, it took, it there. <laughs> like, took it there took it there i'm gonna pass the mic over matt what'd you think i I'm always like, I'm always amazed when I see Drakus win because, like, to me, his form and shit, like, looks terrible. But he, like, 
when you see how he's built and you see his arms and everything else and shit, it's like you can very clearly tell he's just strong as fuck. Like he has kind of an awkward style. You know what I'm saying? At least to me, when I see him, like it's not this isn't even me putting him down. This is just his style stylistically like it's awkward. And when you put strength on top of that awkwardness, you know, it's a whole thing. There's like he used to have, quote unquote, bad cardio, but he keeps stopping people. You know what I'm saying? It was like, man, it looks like he's gassed after the end of that first round. And then, you know, we find out in uh, at least I did at least. You know, when they were doing the commentary that he pretty much was fighting with, like, he couldn't breathe out of his nose. He finally was able to oh, get yeah, his, he nose got fixed. his nose fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So he's finally able to get his nose fixed. And this was the first fight where he was going to be able to, like, really be able to breathe, you know. And this is, you know, another fight. This is his third fight in a row, basically, that he's stopped his opponent within the distance. And this time it was Robert Whitaker. And that's a big jump from Derek Brunson to Robert Whitaker. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. It's just one has been champion and one hasn't. Right. So oof, it, I, it was an impressive victory for sure, because to be able to beat Robert Whitaker in this division is like that really is saying something when the only person in the division to beat Robert Whitaker is the champion. Right. Like. When he went to 85, no one beat him. And this is the first guy not named Israel Adesanya that has. So we'll see. I mean, you know, that pretty much is the measuring stick. We'll see what happens when he comes up against Israel. You want to get into that next one? Yeah, my bad. I was just like, I'm still kind of seething. Go ahead. Take us into the co-main, please. Yo. Get some niggas out. <laughs> Bro, yeah, he's right though. Low key. All right. Um <laughs> the next one we had Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pantoja. And this fight had a lot of like story background to it. Um Brandon Moreno, Mexican champion at 125. I mean, man, what a story, right? Like the guy is just like one of the most likable guys in the UFC. Um, you know, just is will fight his heart out and has proven that time and time again. Um, the history he has with Alexander Pantoja dates back to uh Ultimate Fighter. And this was uh prior to him being released from the UFC, correct? Correct. This is prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um Brandon Moreno had made it into the UFC, um, though his initial run in the UFC wasn't very long. Um, he came in after beating Luis Smoka in his debut. Um, they put him on the Tournament of Champions thing. He fought Brian Benoit. He also beat Dustin Ortiz, and then he lost to uh, Sergio Pettis, and then that led him to Alexander Pantoja. He loses that fight. Hmm. Um, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter Tournament of Champions, he lost also to Alexander Pantoja. Even so, he lost him prior to getting into the UFC, and then once they were both in the UFC, when they were matched up, he beat him again. 
after that, Brandon Moreno kind of did a little up and down, and he was able to turn his career around, and he beat Kai Car of France, Jussier Formiga, Brandon Royval. Then we already know how his trilogies and quad, quad, whatever you call the other one, the quad, whatever the fuck, with Davis and Figueredo. We know how that goes. Alexander Pantoja, on the other hand, though he has not had as glamorous of a, a career as of late, he has been stacking up wins and wins against quality guys and finishes at that. Um, the last person that he lost to was Askar Askarov. And he, after that, went on to beat Manuel Cape, Brandon Royval by submission, as well as Alexander Perez by uh, submission, which is what led him to this fight. Mm-hmm. He was very confident coming into this that he was going to be able to beat Brandon Moreno. And I will just say this was a hell of a fight. I thought this was the best fight of the night. Um, Brandon Moreno was in a fight. So obviously that means it's going to be a banger. And man, he and Alexander Pantoja, I feel like really pushed each other to levels. I don't think either guy was familiar with. And it's crazy. Like, I think more so for Brandon in this case, like dog, you have been getting in a lot of wars for like the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. His first fight but against Davis and Figueredo was in 2020. And that was the only person he had fought for two years. Then he fights Kai Carl Franz. Right. Davis and Figueredo again, five rounds, and then Pantoja five rounds. Even though he stopped him in three, but you get what I'm saying? Like just right, keep right. putting he's putting his body through a lot. Man, I I personally felt like the grappling was the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge difference. It Alexander Pantoja, just the way that his grappling looked when he was with Brandon Moreno was just, it wasn't, it, it's not regular. You feel me? Like, no, nah, man, he was on this dude, like a spider at certain points, like literally like as if he was Velcroed to this guy's back. Um, I felt like the the grappling was really just like I said, it, I felt like the grappling was what really made the ultimate difference between these two guys. And I think that was what closed that gap that allowed Alexander Pantoja to walk out of the UFC with the flyweight title strapped around his waist. You know, I, I know it was a split decision. I felt like obviously Brandon Moreno was getting the better of him with the strikes, but that was to be expected. But even in that department, he wasn't completely shutting Alexander Pantoja out. It, I just really think this guy might have his number, man, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, but I'll pass it over to you. I thought. So it's like it's a combination of the grappling and then that first round was clearly Pantoja's. But here's the thing, too. It's like the first half of the first round, it looked like Brandon Moreno was like, hey, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not the same nigga you fought twice back before I got released in the UFC and after the fact or whatever, because the first round, what did Pantoja try to do? Uh, he tried to muscle Moreno up against the fence, and Moreno was like, man, that's crazy. Let me show you something I've been working on. Wrestling, right? And he, like, switched it up on him, and, like, the vibe was really different, right? Moreno was using his head movement and his jab, man. I see – I really like Moreno's jab. Um, I, I see why he has that fucking saber tattooed – on his left forearm, because this mm-hmm. shit's fast. This shit's fast, and it stabs people, man. Um, like, because let's be real, 
he did some damage to Pantoja's face. We ain't never seen Pantoja look like that. Like we ain't never seen Pantoja like be to the point where it's like, okay, maybe if they tacked on a sixth or seventh round, maybe Moreno could have finished him. Um, but it's like that fucking sucks. A guy you lost to twice, and then you're losing to him a third time. And I feel like the Moreno that we saw was a good version of himself, but like Matt pointed out, that grappling, um, what sticks in my mind the most was the fact that round three and round four were super similar in that Pantoja clearly showed he did not want to tussle with Moreno like that with the fists and the kicks um, and was clearly choosing to turn it into a grappling exchange. And sure enough, he gets a takedown. Moreno does eventually scramble back up to his feet and they're like up against the fence. But what ends up happening is uh, Pantoja scrambles up to Moreno's back and maybe tries to finish uh, RNC, but most importantly, just kind of holds Moreno in place because Moreno does have good choke defense from the back. I wish he would have uh, worked on how to get out of the body lock a little bit more, but there were a few instances where he flipped the script. He pulled the Uno reverse, like, oh, you got me in the body lock. No, player, you got me in your guard. Take this elbow with you. Um, another thing I didn't like was the fifth round. I think if Moreno had kept the fight to the feet on the fifth round, maybe the split decision would have gone his way. The reason why I say this is because his corner even told him, bro, do not let him get another takedown on you. Do not let him get another takedown on you. Brandon, look at me in my Christian eyes. Don't let him get another takedown on you. But two minutes in, to the fifth round, Pantoja scores another takedown, and it becomes the same thing. Like, if you think about how the fifth round ended, Pantoja was on Moreno's back. Moreno was standing, and it was yeah. just a stalemate. That's what I'm talking about. He just was bro. latched onto him. Yeah, it was a stalemate. Like, he wasn't actively trying to get the choke. Brandon wasn't necessarily trying to shake him off either. It's like, I don't necessarily know what was going on in either of their heads, thinking that this would have been the way to finish out the round, but... I will say the decision and the way it went made sense. Uh, personally, I think this is kind of Brandon's pattern. I think he gets the belt back again. Uh, and they do have a use case to make a third or a fourth fight between the two of them. Since technically speaking, it's only been their second fight, both being in the UFC as the first one was just off the ultimate fighter. Um, but I mean, if they can run Davidson Figueiredo, versus Moreno like four times, they can do this again. Um, and I think it will be an exciting fight, and I'd love to see what Moreno evolves to. He's a very likable dude. But that being said, a Pantoja story makes him a more compelling fighter too. Bro, what he said on the mic about, are you proud of me now, Dad? Fuck. Uh, yeah, that's like shit, dude, because his mom raised him and his brother as a single mom. It's just like, damn, bro. Uh, his kids were in there. They were crying too. It's like, okay. This dude has been struggling to get to here and for him to get that belt. Okay. I respect, respect, respect. Um, I, I would like to say, though, that if they do run it back and Brandon Moreno does win the belt back, he is not accepted any more uh, challenges from Brazil. He is tired. <laughs> <laughs> standard title reign with a couple of defenses. Brazil is just not going to be in the running. Oh wow, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with it. I feel you. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, with that, 
Shall we go into the main event? Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Yair, or as they say in Australia, Yair. <laughs> Yair El Pantera Rodriguez. Man, what can I say? It was the title unification bout. Um, bro, as soon as the fight started, it was like, ah, oh, okay, well, <laughs> like, hey, it was nice holding on to that interim belt. And I like it. This was what was tough. I like both of these dudes, man. Yeah, I like Volkanovski and I like Yair. Um, because Yair is so unorthodox and he tries shit that if you took any type of taekwondo or kickboxing, your instructor would have been like, get the fuck out of here. What you mean a tornado kick in sparring? What do you mean uh, a backflip, a bicycle kick in sparring? You are fucking crazy. I will knock your ass out. And he's like, but wait, coach, I'm making it work. And coach is like, all right. <laughs> uh, he, he is the exception. So like, if you were in a gym with Yair Rodriguez, the coach would look at him and look at you. It's like, he's the exception to the rule. You better stick to your fucking basics. <laughs> like, right. like, why are you gonna be telling Yair that shit? Because like, like, he knocks niggas out with that shit. Right. That's it's why. Like, you got knocked out trying that shit. Shut up. I mean, title <laughs> shot you got. <laughs> right, right. right. Oh, you okay. Know? That's what I thought. Right. It's like, uh, so this was highly anticipated. Um, this was a chance for Mexico to gain another champion. At, well, I mean, they, they had just lost one. Um, but they still have Alexa Grasso, so it's like, all right, if Yair gets this, boom, Mexico has got another champion. And I will say one of the things that I like to see, but sometimes it's a little awkward, but I did appreciate the show of respect. It's like, it there doesn't always have to be conflict leading up to the fight. It doesn't always have to be like that. It could be mutual respect. It could be like, hey, respect each other, but this is business at the end of the day. But there doesn't have to be bad blood, and there was really no bad blood here. Volkanovski was like, you made me train even harder. But also, it's like, what the fuck does that mean, train even harder? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Volkanovski did his thing. Quickly, quickly managed to figure out the range uh, between lanky Yair and himself. Quickly took Yair down. Quickly established, like, some grappling uh, and some damage from top position. And it ended up being that a few times that being said yeah you did have his moments where it's like hey bro uh you remember i i got hands and feet on me bro don't don't look down on my striking but volkanovsky was like that's cool but i am also alexander volkanovsky uh and then sure enough in round four fucking what was it hold on i put in my notes uh he stunned him i think was it the yeah it was as yeah was throwing a kick he threw the right hand he threw the right hook. He threw the right hook, stunned him, and then just took him down with the double leg, which is like, no, Pick it wasn't even the double him. leg yet. No, before the double leg, he hit him with the Gojo versus Miguel. He yeah. up against the fence, then got the double leg, then took the top position, and it was a TK off of punches. It was, man, it was, it was, it was a in pure, pure form. He was in the zone. Anything y'all want to add? Go ahead. No, man, uh, Volkanovsky, I was telling them before we got on air, um, Volkanovsky is one of the greats, um, like regardless of the name and the pun and all that, and that I think there's something really special about featherweight, hmm. like in at least as far as the UFC is concerned, because we've seen three now all-time greats in that division. Like all these are three all time dudes right now. Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. 
all of which in, it have defeated each other before. Mm-hmm. Max being the guy that, that beat Jose and Alexander being the guy that finally beat Max. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I right, mean, because that right. was really how it went. Right. And the fact that two out of those three guys are still active um, and that all and that they're still setting records. Yeah. Every time Volkanovsky and Max Holloway go out there, they're setting another record. Reaching for another record. Right. Um, and I just think that's crazy. But I, other than that, I don't have anything to add, man. Like, I, like who's a more complete fighter than him really right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's really tough to put anybody in front of this guy. Would you like to see a rematch with Ortega? For what? Good point. <laughs> Good point. Like, not even <laughs> it's not even Good no disrespect point. to Ortega. It's like I don't he he's beat everybody. Who else he gonna beat? Right. If you look at the featherweight rankings, the interim champion was Yair. Okay, he just stopped Yair. He's fought Max two thousand times. You know what I'm saying? He's already beat Brian Ortega. He hasn't fought Ar- Arnold Allen yet. He can fight Arnold Allen. He can I mean, fight Ilya Topuria. Arnold like, Allen just got put out. Well, he didn't get put out, but he fought Max Holloway. And he oh, didn't yeah, get past yeah, you're Max. Right. You're right. right. He didn't get past Max. So that that got that out of the way. Right. So he can fight Ilya Topuria, who is going to be, if he gets that, he'll be fortunate enough to not have to fight Arnold Allen, Brian Ortega, or Max fucking Holloway. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll be unfortunate in the fact that he has to fight <laughs> Cause like Josh Emmett is a good fighter. He's a great fighter. And that's that's a hell of a guy to be able to beat. Right. But like literally, like the whole division is all people Alex and Max have beat. <laughs> the whole division is just niggas they both beat already. <laughs> like Giga Jakadze, Chan Sun Jung, Calvin Cater, like yeah. yeah, that was a sad one. They need some fresh blood. Actually, no, they have fresh blood. It's just that the fresh blood can't make it past. Yeah, the I mean, top five. Let's see what Elia Topuria can do. Right, because behind, like, and like Max and Chance on Jung talking about fighting at some point. So you know that'll get made. Blood. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know how much more damage Korean Zombie can take before. Well, Max is gonna find out. Oh man. <laughs> Wow, and again, going back 3,000 of my punches in the first round. That's crazy. Going back to the craziness of the division. Chan Sun Jung. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, made, going back to the craziness the, of this division. Alex Caceres is in the top 15. That's true. So was Edson Barbosa. So was oh Dan Ige. So was Bryce Mitchell. So was Sadiq Yusuf. Mozart Evalev. Giga Chikazi, Chan Sun Jung, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, Ilya Topuria, Arnold Allen, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway, Yair, and then Volkanovsky. That's a shark tank. Yeah. And I know, I, I think Volkanovsky mentioned during the in Octagon interview that he's still got his sights set on lightweight too. 
So mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be cool to see them run back Makachev versus this is the uh, best. It's Volkanovski. the best division top down, top yeah. to bottom. This is the best division in UFC. Mm. Like just as far as talent wise, top fifteen, complete fifteen people. Nah, there's no no other division is that like kind of just stacked. I wouldn't even say evenly yeah. balanced, but like it's just, just a stacked. lot. Yeah, seventy got a lot of people in it, but seventy got a few holes in it. Yeah. yeah, all the divisions got a little, you know, little ones here and there. Like, oh, okay, well, like, you know, who's this one? But like, I think forty-five might be the best division. Say for uh, I want to say bantamweight at the moment. Really, all the other champions are are pretty uh definitive. Like, I don't see them moving anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Damn. So you don't believe in uh, you don't believe in Algerman, huh? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Aljamain's getting. No, I think he's definitely beating. Uh, beating Sugar Show. I. I don't think any champ's gonna lose their belt. Oh wait, I got him mixed up. Not. Not Bantam. Um. No, Aljamain is Bantam, right? Right. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of. Uh, uh, Moreno's. Uh, flyweight. Oh, uh, Flyweight. I'm flyweight. Yeah. I'm thinking of Flyweight. I'm thinking of Flyweight. Besides Flyweight, I don't see any other. Any other division. I don't see a champ losing their their belt anytime soon. I don't know, man. Sean O'Malley is much bigger than Aljo is, and as much as I like Al Jermaine, as much as I like Al Jermaine, bro, like I think I think Al Jermaine. The judges have been looking favorably upon him sometimes. Al Jermaine sold me in the last fight. He sold me. It's I mean, Cejudo. You know, he's he's still Cejudo, and you know, Yan. He definitively beat Yan. And it's arguable that Sugar Show beat Yon. And uh, you can argue that. The only, the, I mean, it's like the only thing about Aljo is like he kind of gasses out or coasts a lot in the final round. Once he feels like he's won enough rounds, he he doesn't press it as much as he should, I feel like. And that always leaves me nervous. Like, dude, I don't think you realize how close this battle actually is, uh, personally. But I don't, I digress. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, I get you. Um, it's it's definitely a, a an interesting matchup, Sugar Show and Aljamain. Um, there's still a lot of stuff we've yet to see from the Sugar Show. Mm-hmm. So for the fact that he's here, um, with a title shot, it's 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 amazing, but also it's just very um, very very uh very questionable, mm. very questionable. Um. Yeah, I, I I think as he kept fighting like the the people up the division, they they've always just been they've always they they've been wars like they've just been wars. I I would rather him to to run it back with Cheeto, than maybe go against uh Aljamain. He's just gonna get the title shot now. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, fellas, uh, I thought what was your favorite fighter tonight? TJ, I'm thinking probably Pantoja versus Moreno. That shit was insane. Yeah, yeah I think to... honestly, I think for me it was Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker. That was also pretty insane too. That was just my, but probably just because of I I liked a lot of the striking stuff. Because man, when Jalen had Dan Hooker hurt, man, that motherfucker was throwing the kitchen sink at him. The yeah. combos was nuts. The elbows and shit. I was like, yo, yeah. he's just running the command list on dude right now. 
Well, th- this is why I'm also like kind of mind boggled at how tough Pantoja is. But did you see what Moreno was doing? Like throwing hooks, double hooks to the body and to the head, like constantly at Pantoja. Yeah. And Pantoja was like, <laughs> you know, like just like, I'm going to tough it out. Let's grapple. Like, Damn, that's crazy. This is going to hurt tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, well, my wife takes care of me. That's that's what he said. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving. Once my ribs heal, it's over for you hoes. Anyway. Oh, you funny as hell. <laughs> um, but Wait, Bryce, uh, what was your favorite fight, bro? I got to say, it's Bo Nipple versus uh, versus Val. I like, I like a good knockout. Like a good uh, one, two, three. That's fair. That is fair. That is very fair. I would say, oh, well, I guess I already said my. Um, with that though, uh, next week we got Holly Holm versus Myra Bueno Silva, UFC Fight Night, and what do we get over on the boxing tip for next week? What's next weekend, TJ? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, the fifteenth. The fifteenth. What do we got cooking for the fifteenth? We got. Alicia Baumgartner defending her title, her junior lightweight undisputed championship against Christina Linartudo. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So I'll be covering that. So next week, you guys can look forward to us covering Alicia Baumgartner versus Christina Linartudo, uh, Linartudo on The Zone and UFC Fight Night, Holly Holm versus Mayra, Myra Bueno Silva. This one for the ladies. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> oh, man. I crack me up. With that said, <laughs> we will see you guys next week. You can follow all of us on social media. You can follow me at Matt Hamrick. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C-T-J. Y'all can find me on Instagram at Tusk4Skate. That's T-U-S-S number four underscore S-K-A-T-E. Bryce. Y'all can find me on Instagram, Ashay underscore Onsa. That's A-X-E underscore O-N-C-A, Bay Bay. Where can they find us? They can find us at Now Mind You Podcast, wherever you'd like to get your social media and wherever you'd like to get your podcast. And we are also on YouTube. We will see you guys next week. And you guys be safe. Peace out. Peace. Peace.